Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. Morning. Good morning, Holly. Hi. <laughs> so, um, you want to talk about how the sausage is made? You know, once we learn how the sausage is made, we never want to eat sausage again. Well, <laughs> it's true about yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that a lot about people who are involved in organized religious institutions. They idealize the people who are in them until they get behind the scenes and see what goes on. And then For they. Sure. I wonder what people would think if they knew what kind of conversations we had off mic and off camera. Well, they would surely, I don't know, you know, maybe some empathy and, and compassion would be aroused. Maybe some kind of what <laughs> would also be aroused. Um, I think we're in the thick of struggle, if you will, of future planning and how this feels right now, how we want it to feel and how we hope it will feel. Yeah, and, and you know, I think we also, uh, we both referenced the article that we read in the New York Times today, uh, how we kind of mirror the sense of languishing that so many people in our culture have at the moment. That yeah. we're not energized, not thriving, um, in the way that um, I think we had, I think both of us are tired. Yeah, I think we've been holding a big container and, yeah. and for a long time. Yeah, for a long two years. That, yeah, it has been a long time. And that's, um, that container is shifting and changing and maybe bursting at the seams a little bit. And uh, we're having to figure out what do we drop and what do we keep holding on to yeah. Uh, that. Yeah. I think that this, you know, the, the, the collective feeling of languishing is compounded also by this enormous grief around things changing so much, not only deaths from COVID, but also the sort of social structures and safety systems that we thought were real and in place seem to all be in question. Um, and, and that includes for me too. Um, yeah, I, I, I could talk about this at two levels and one you and I did talk about before we started recording this. Um, I think that, um, both of us are tired. Both of us are dealing with things in our personal lives, family lives that take a lot of time and a lot of energy that mm -hmm. it's not necessary to talk publicly about, but they're there to, to deal with. Right. And uh, I noticed that a few weeks ago when you had that wonderful guest on your good friend who talked about. Jaime um, Gonzalez. Yeah, yes, that was so good. I listened to it in the car coming back from the hill country. Yeah. Um, technology is absolutely amazing. Um, 
but one of the things that I sensed um, in taking that time off was that the first weekend, not a week, I used to take a month off every summer, but the first time I had had off just to do nothing in two years. (laughs) I'd been out of town once to do a funeral, to do my brother-in-law's funeral in Dallas, but that was not an overnight trip. Um, no. And that's also an extension of what you already do in your life. Yeah. His, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That was, that, that's, that's kind of one thing. And the other thing I mentioned to you is that the journals I take, the magazines I take, for example, Christian Century and Buddha Dharma and Tricycle and uh, a lot of those spiritual magazines, they all are reflecting this sense of borderline despair about yeah. where our country is about so many important issues. Uh, if the if the Democrats, and I'm not being politically partisan, but if somebody doesn't do something to address the voting rights issue, at the next election, we're going to have a ton of people disenfranchised from voting. Yeah, and the the scenario scenario has already been set up that if the party who hopes to win doesn't, the party who's gerrymandered and done all these rules and laws, they'll just deny that they lost. That's already been set up, and that just feels so discouraging. Yeah, no, I think you're right. There is a sort of collective sense of of despair. And I, I want, I was just thinking about and mentioned to you that there is in the American psyche and maybe specifically in the white American psyche, that's the perspective from which I can speak is, uh, a, 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 there has always been a sense of optimism and idealism. The world is our oyster. The world works for us and we work for the world. Um, and all of that's being questioned right now, that sense of idealism, that sense of belonging, that sense of um, who are we if these systems crumble? Mm-hmm. All of that's on the table right now. And it is, you know, I, I would be lying if I said I haven't wished for an evacuation plan <laughs> from time to time, um, but there isn't one. We are the evacuation plan. We got to figure this out. Meaning we as humans, we as people are the only ones who can. There's no Uh, plan B. Ain't no plan B. (laughs) Um, And that, but I think that that sort of sense of unbelonging and our optimism being tested and maybe shattered contributes to a lot of that unease and despair and the sense that I have right now is this desire to just let so much air out. Like as teachers, we're trying to hold this community that has been half on the ether and half in person. And it's really hard to keep all of our optimism and hope intact when in fact it's being challenged. Mm-hmm. And so what is the process for collective grieving 
and then healing. I went to two dinner parties yesterday, uh, which is probably why I'm not feeling my best today. (laughs) No, there were two. Overindulged. But the conversation around the table at one of them had to do with what are the best books you read in 2021? And I am not, um, well, I am bragging. The, the people at the table were about as smart people as I know. I mean, people who work for the State Department and the really high-level place people. And you know the books that turned them on the most in 2021 were books that had a Harry Potter kind of flavor to them. <laughs> Which part of Harry Potter that the that the good the good one or that there was a the, 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 the good the good part the magical part. The uh-huh. other world part, like yeah. um, one of the women at the table said her favorite book was Water Dancer, which we both had uh, read. Yeah. I love that book. And it also had uh, that magical quality of just yes. being able to open up and be more and more optimistic yeah. and so forth. So people are hungry for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, because that that opening up of the creativity of imagination, what I, I like to call the radical imagination, meaning imagining beyond the circumstance that we're in and trying to pull something from that wild imagination into our present. Um, that, that comes from a dystopia, right? Mm-hmm. That may right. Let me imagine how things could be right. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me pull some of that imagination into this moment, which is what the water dancer does, which is a bit of magical realism written by Tanahasi Coates about Harriet Tubman's visions and her ability to pull a vision of freedom into the now and right. to make that happen. Another, another thing that came up, and I'll just share this with anyone who's listening and with you too, because I doubt that you've heard of this. Somebody said that they had derived a great deal of pleasure this year by watching YouTube videos by Mark Rober. Do you know him? Oh, of course I know who Mark Rober is. Kids love him. Uh, He's this kind of creative engineer. He creates all these like incredible complicated projects and then challenges kids to do them. So here's the mistake I made. I bought the Mark Rober class for my kids and it's too hard for them. (laughs) So they, what do you mean you bought the class? You, you buy a package of his, like, here's how you creatively engineer a project. And the kids are supposed to kind of walk along with it. And I told my kids, like, I don't want this to become my project. This is like y'all y'all's project. You get to do the Mark Rober class. But Mark Rober is a grown up and he's using things like saws and hammers and drills and all these things. And the kids want to do it. So it inevitably becomes my project. <laughs> well, the videos that they were talking about at the gathering were the squirrel challenge yes. videos. Yeah, they're hilarious. They're, so I, I, I watch one and I can see why people find that yeah. because it's in another world. That's exactly it, right. Yeah. Entertaining and all of that. Yeah. And yet it's completely of this world and just a little bit um, brilliantly mindless, if you will. <laughs> you know. well, I, I, I shouldn't be stunned that you know about this because you know about everything. But I was surprised that you knew about it. Well, him. Mark Rober, Rober appeals to a young audience, too. And bear in mind, I have three pre-teenage boys who love the like silly squirrel traps and 
the Rube Goldberg type of things, yeah. right? The complex, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so they're they have some their teachers show it to them in school, actually. So, yeah, I'm more so, surprised actually that you know who now who Mark Rover is. Well, I just found out last night. My daughter, my daughter, yeah. uh, I asked her what she would like for Christmas, and she said that she would like a subscription to Masterclass, mm-hmm. which I had not heard of. Yeah. So I got on the web and I looked at Masterclass. You can't give a gift subscription to Masterclass unless you are a member. Oh, I didn't know so that. I bought a subscription okay. for me too. And so I checked it out and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm the first class that I'm going to take starting maybe today because uh-huh. I'm taking a magic class from Penn and Teller. Oh, that's wonderful. I think I, so I get the Masterclass ads on my Instagram. I think there's one. Um, with Cornell West recently too. Um, no, they seem, I've never actually done one, but I have definitely. It been seems infinitely it. worth it. I watched the trailer, Finn and Teller. I yeah. can tell you it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, that's cool. So, well, good for you. I, I keep putting it off because I th- feel like if I do one more bit of learning right now that I, I could get distracted from what I sort of need to be doing. <laughs> your, your head will explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to finish your PhD this year. Yeah. You know, I had this optimistic thought that I could defend by the spring, by the, by the sort of end of the spring semester, but I didn't realize that that would mean that I would have had to have turned in a draft of my dissertation by the end of January. Um, Because I guess the registrar requires that you submit to defend two and a half months before the end of the semester. And there's just no way I'm going to be finished with my draft by January. So I'll defend, I hope in the fall, depending on feedback, et cetera, but what needs to be changed, what needs to be added on to guess who is going to, who has agreed to be my external reader. Brian Swim. No, he would be internal because he's at the institution, Matt Russell. Matt Russell. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love Matt. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm so grateful to him for that. So, yeah. So I gave Matt a Christmas present. I gave Matt a couple of Christmas presents. One of them, a t-shirt. Yes. Yeah, say what t-shirt did you give him this year? <laughs> I Well, last year I gave him a, a lamp from the Christmas story. Oh my gosh. I'm sure Michelle loved that. <laughs> I'm sure that one of his boys took it over immediately. I know that's what happened. So this year I gave Matt a t-shirt that says, I may not be much, but I have an awesome wife. That ought to count for something. He does have an awesome wife. I, I can yeah. totally vouch for that. Michelle Russell is an incredible human being. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to only go back to doom and gloom, but I also think that any, so Desmond Tutu died this last week. Did you see that? Yes, I did. And, you know, and on the one hand, what a, what a loss in this world, but how much light he left behind. And it is now light that, that I that I think we must take up, you know, that it's sort of appropriate that he would die at the end of a year and, and going into a new year and thinking about all of the 
speaking of lamps, <laughs> uh, the lamp light that he really ignited um, mm-hmm. in terms of pursuing actual peace, actual justice, and actual equality um, mm-hmm. leaves a huge wake. The man who facilitated a converse, a week long conversation between the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu wrote his experience up in a book called The Book of Joy. Yes. And I read that book in one sitting, mm. coming back on the plane from Italy a couple mm. of years ago. And um, both of those men, so different in their religious orientation but so non-authoritarian and so loving toward each other and so committed to the same set of values Mm -hmm. about how we treat each other is crucial for the future of the planet. Absolutely. And um, that's, that's what they, he did. That's what he stood for. Yeah. And um, he seemed like the Dalai Lama always to be laughing and, Mm. That sort of thing. Yep, he will be missed. I have been using his book, No Future Without Forgiveness, as part of my like cadre of research. And he he writes a lot about you know the process of reconciliation in South Africa, which he was a deep part of. And he again appropriate as we talk about endings and beginnings, is he talks about being like midwives helping to birth a kind of new world order, what he calls the delicate infant into something that doesn't yet exist. And, you know, that is, that is the work of birth, right? Is to bring something into the world that didn't exist before. And I am also reading a book by a woman whose name was given to her by Desmond Tutu. She just goes by Reverend Thandika. And her name means something like a a holy gift or a sacred gift. And she is one of his stars, if you will. In other words, one of the lights Mm. that he has ignited and is there in the world to continue the work. His joy did not come without much, much suffering. And those two things are always related. Well, you and I are going to find our way forward in 2022 to continue to co-teach and do some solo, each of us, and find our way to what I hope is a more energized and energizing place. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We will figure it out. So thank you for putting this podcast together this year in between. Absolutely. And I will see you Sunday. Yeah, we will. Okay. Okay. Bye.